So, Father, we pray that you would send your fire, your light, your glory, the spirit of Jesus the Christ to fill this place and to fill us that we would shine like stars to your glory in Jesus' name. Help us preach. Amen. Hey, my thanks to Carlos Santana and the band. Pretty awesome, huh? Don't you think? Uh, as I hope you uh, realize, we've been preaching through the Gospel of John, took a few breaks through the summer. But maybe you remember back in June, we preached through chapter seven of John and we realized that a good will is a will that wants to glorify God and glorify others, that, 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 that is beyond itself. And a bad will is a will that wants to glorify itself. A bad will is a trap. For you can't want to glorify God by wanting to glorify yourself. In other words, we cannot simply choose to love. That means love in us is a miracle. For God is love. And he who loves is born of God. Chapter 8, God creates that miracle. In a woman caught in the act of adultery, she's stripped of all her own glory and thrown at the feet of Jesus. He creates new life in her as he speaks to her. Neither do I condemn you. From the now, go and sin no more. That's his judgment. That's grace. The Pharisees hate God's judgment. They hate Jesus' judgment. They hate grace and leave his presence. The Pharisees leave the light. Next verse. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We read that verse uh, last week. And uh, last week's message was really the introduction to this week's message. Last week, in order to set the stage for the message, I showed you a video. It was weird. So if you didn't see last week's message, you, you might want to watch it after this service because it was weird, and watching that video will help mitigate the weirdness of, of, uh, of, of or that message, help mitigate the weirdness of, of, of this message. But I showed you a video of this room. The video was taken by my friend Robert Jolinas, pastor of Colorado Community Church. It was taken on his cell phone when he was studying one day up in the corner and wanted to film this room for his kids. You see that? Is that like freaky weird or what? I mean, it's like this dark shadow flies out of that northeast corner across that northeast window. Well, like I told you last week, when I first saw that video, I thought, well, it's some kind of anomaly in the camera or something. Until a new couple at church walked up to me a few days later and said, hey, uh, you know, we were, we were sitting in church and we saw this black shadow-like thing all of a sudden like go up and fly across that northeast window. And as I told you last week, uh, Susan and I were soon down here praying through this old building. And that among other things, uh, my wife kept hearing a voice. And the voice kept saying, shh, 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 
church, and so we took authority over it in Jesus' name. Its name was Secrets. And we suspect the secrets had to do with a religious authority in the distant past that abused people and bound them to secrets somewhere in this place. So after we commanded uh, secrets and these other demonic entities to leave, like I told you about last week, after we commanded secrets and lies to leave in Jesus' name, I commanded anything else, not in subjection to Jesus, but somehow attached to this building to come, to author- to, 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 um, come into the light, to reveal itself. And at that point, I believe Susan and I encountered a ghost. And her name is Elise. Now, I I need to say that about 46% of you right now think I'm insane. (laughs) That's according to a recent uh, survey that was cited in an article in the ARP magazine uh, a few years ago. 46% of the baby boom generation think I'm nuts because there's no such thing as ghosts. 46% think I'm insane, and yet get this, 62% of those over 70 think I'm insane. So at least it's getting better. You see, the old materialistic, modernistic view of reality is is fading, which is is rather shocking uh, if you grew up back in the 60s when I did, because when I was a kid, we heard it all the time, over and over again. Everyone knows there's no such thing as ghosts. But today, 38% of society thinks that they've actually encountered a ghost or or a spirit, and many, many more think that there are such things. We we heard it over and over again. There's no such thing as a ghost, and yet Scripture clearly indicates that there are such things as ghosts. Remember when Jesus came to the disciples walking on the water in the night in the midst of the storm? And the disciples, they freaked out and, and, and they cried out, it's a phantasma. That means it's an apparition, it's appearance, it's a ghost. They cried, it's a ghost. And you remember what Jesus said? He did not say, there are no such things as ghosts. He said, I am. Chill out. Don't be afraid. Consultation with ghosts in, in, in Scripture is... Strictly forbidden, not because there's no such thing as ghosts, but because ghosts are lost. They're lost. If New Agers then say that they channel the ghost of, for instance, the ancient buffalo hunter Ramtha, the problem with that is not that ghosts don't exist. The problem with that is that they're lost. And so you should not ask the lost for a direction. Because what's it going to tell you? Where to find buffalo a few hundred years ago? But that's, I mean, that's... Even that, don't even ask them that. Don't, don't ask the lost, ask the way. Who is the truth? Who is the life and the light? 1 Samuel 28, King Saul. Maybe you've read this in the Old Testament. Amazing story. He's uh, turned away from God, and now God is silent when Saul asks for direction. So in fear, do you remember what Saul does? He goes to a necromancer, the witch of Endor, and he asks her to call up the spirit of the prophet Samuel from Sheol, from the grave. Amazingly, she does. She does it, but when she sees him, she screams, for Samuel doesn't look like a ghost, but a god. 
quote, coming up, rising up from the earth. And then Samuel, Samuel speaks somehow and he says to Saul, why are you bothering me? You're not supposed to bother me. Tomorrow, you and your sons will join me. And the next day, Saul and his sons are killed in battle. According to Solomon in Ecclesiastes 3.20, all go to the same place. And what's that? The dust. Sheol. Hades in, in, in the Greek. What's often translated as, as, as hell in many old translations. All go to the same place, or used to, until the Son of Man is lifted up and the tombs are opened and the saints that had died walked through Jerusalem. You can read about it in Matthew 27. Well, anyway, please, please feel free. Well, that's still up there. You can take that off now, Ben. Uh, please feel free <laughs> to believe what you want about me and my weird experiences, okay? I'm just saying that it may be worth asking, what is a ghost? How might one become a ghost? And is there any cure? And no matter what, I, I don't think we can really get John 8 without a ghost story. And this will become even more evident next week when we finish John 8, but John 8 is a ghost story or an anti-ghost story. Well, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Follow and live. Next verse. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Jesus is the judge who judges by not judging. In other words, Jesus doesn't judge, and yet he himself is the judgment. He is the light, and he's already told us the light is the judgment. Remember John chapter 3. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Ghosts hate the light. In other words, they hate God's judgment. Jesus continues, in your law it is written that the testimony of two men is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Jesus is the treasure in the temple. And we are the temple. Jesus is the fire, the light, the truth in the temple. The truth in us is called honesty. So when we are dishonest, we reject the truth. 
turn off the light. Rejecting the truth is rejecting Jesus, which is rejecting God's judgment. It's sin. Next verse, so he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, is he going to kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? That's ironic. They thought Jesus was going to hell by means of suicide. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am, now this is interesting, the he is supplied by the translator, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. Unless that you believe that, that I am, you will die in your sins. Sin is a lie. Jesus is the truth. Unless you believe the truth, you will die in that lie. Perhaps to die in that lie is to be trapped in that lie, it's to become a ghost. Last week we preached that if you listen to lies and speak lies, you tend to become a lie that is a ghost, an apparition, an appearance, in Greek a phantasma, a ghost. All sin is believing a lie. But the worst sin is lying about the lie. Just like uh, the adulterous woman, these adulterous Pharisees sinned. We talked about that last week. Just like the adulterous woman, these adulterous Pharisees sinned, but unlike the adulterous woman, they would not admit their sin. They were hypocrites. Hupakritas. It literally means actors. They were actors. To die in their sin was then to become their act, an appearance, a, a phantom, like a whitewashed tomb. Matthew 23, Jesus says, you Pharisees, you travel land and sea to make one convert, and you make him twice a child of hell. You see, when we preach a religion of human effort, we teach people to be actors. We teach people to hide their shame in secret and become a ghost. You know, I don't, I don't want my kids to sin. I don't want them to skip class, get drunk, watch porn, sleep around, or get abortions. Why? Because it hurts them. And it hurts me. And it hurts God. And yet I can forgive all of that. And God has forgiven all of that. But what terrifies me, far more than that, far more than all of that, is a lie to me about any of that. You see, it really doesn't even matter 
what the lie is about. Nothing is worse than the lie, for the lie cuts me off from them. In other words, I'd rather that they not get dirty at all, but you see, we can deal with the dirt. Yet if they hide the dirt, they hide themselves, and I lose them. And they lose me. And you see, they are my treasure. And I want to be their treasure. Do you remember the first thing that Jesus said after Adam and Eve sinned? It wasn't, why'd you sin? <laughs> it was, where are you? Where are you? You see, he wants you like I want my kids. And where was Adam and Eve? They were lost, <laughs> hiding in a lie. They were hiding their bad judgment from God's good judgment. They were hiding their shame in fig leaves and hiding their sin in secrets and lies. They were Pharisees, turning themselves into ghosts, apparitions, an act. Someone wrote, the chief punishment of the liar is not so much that he is no longer believed, but that he can no longer believe. Chief punishment of a liar is not so much that he is not believed, but that he can no longer believe. You know, if you can no longer believe, you're alone in outer darkness, trapped in your own bad judgment. Believe a lie, speak lies, become a lie, a ghost. Years ago, on my day off in the Pep Boys parking lot in Wadsworth, I got mad at my daughter Elizabeth for some bad judgments that she was making. I don't remember exactly what they were, probably something about hitting Becky or something like that. And I, I was walking across the parking lot with her behind me saying, Elizabeth, you just need to be nice. You need to be nice to your sister. I turn around to see this. My five-year-old daughter standing there with her fingers in her ears, her eyes glancing nervously about so as not to see me, singing at the top of her lungs, it's a small world after all, it's a small small world after all it's a small world after all it's a small small world I hate that song and I especially hated that my five-year-old daughter was singing that song why because she was hiding her judgment from my judgment and if she kept it up long enough she'd become a ghost to me and her small small world would become hell for her for not only would she no longer hear me say Elizabeth Elizabeth be nice she would no longer hear me say Elizabeth I love you and sweetheart I will never 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 stop loving you oh it would be a joy for me to die for you Elizabeth. Years ago, I took Susan, my wife, for a romantic evening in, in Breckenridge. I went to this very nice restaurant in this very old building. And all evening, Susan kept hearing crying, which really bugged me because I was really hoping for some action later in the evening. You know, you know what I mean? It was wrecking the mood. 
At one point, Susan excused herself to go to the restroom, and she came back visibly shaken. Now, I'm not asking you to, to, to believe this necessarily, and my wife worries that you'll think she's a freak. You know I'm a freak, but that you'll think she's, she's a freak. But this is true. I, I mean, I've learned this. My wife really has a gift, a, a gift that sometimes feels like a curse. She, she sees things. And in the restaurant, she encountered this, or in the restroom, she encountered this young woman that looked like she was dressed for another era. And this woman, she said, was inconsolable because she would not stop crying. Where's my baby? Where's my baby? Where's my baby? Finally, Susan said to the woman, ask Jesus. Go to Jesus. He has your baby. But it was like the, the woman could not hear as her eyes frantically glanced away from Susan and all around the room looking for her baby. It was like she had her fingers in her ears, trapped in a lie. And this was the lie. She had to save her baby. Which meant she had to save herself, which meant she was the Savior and could not hear God is Savior. In a word, Jesus. She could not hear God's judgment, for she was trapped in her own judgment. Later we asked the waiter, what did this building used to be? And he said, oh, this used to be the Breckenridge Town Brothel. <laughs> My wife said to me, Peter, I think that woman was, is a, a prostitute that had a baby and lost her baby and took her own life. I think she was a ghost. We certainly don't have to become a prostitute, kill your baby, or murder yourself to become a ghost. All you have to do is believe a lie. And this is the lie. God is not good. So you must judge, and you must save yourself and your world. One other time, Susan saw a ghost years ago. Actually, it was at the Stanley Hotel. She encountered this little old lady looking for her husband, Herman. And finally, she said to the lady, go to Jesus, go to Jesus. But she couldn't hear it. She was lost in the lie that she had to save Herman or Herman had to save her. But you see, she needed to lose Herman in order to find Herman. And she needed to lose her life in order to find it. She needed to die to her lie in order to live in the truth. She needed to die to her small, small world to walk into God's huge and glorious world. This week, for the third time, I reread one of my very favorite books, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Have, have, how many of you have read that? Good, a lot of you. Awesome book, you need to read it. I think it may be on the book table. Um, it's fiction, but I think it is profoundly biblical. It's about a group of ghosts that take a bus ride from Hades 
to the edge of heaven. Not that the bus is all biblical, but, but the book is biblical. They take a bus ride uh, from Hades to the edge of heaven where they meet the solid citizens of God's kingdom. You know, in the biblical cosmology, the heavens above are most solid, for the heavens above are filled with the light and the glory of God, whereas the earth beneath is empty of light and filled with the absence of life. It's filled with nothingness. That is death, darkness, and lies. Well, the ghosts on this bus come from like all different walks of life. There's an artist, a theologian, a mother, a bunch of others, each of them very different, and yet they all believe the same lie, the lie that they are their own judge. And so their judgment is supreme. So the artist would rather be a painter of light than see the light. The theologian would rather read his paper on God than know God. The mother thinks she must save her son, so she wants to keep her son from the Savior. Each of them wills their own glory and so creates an apparition of vain glory. They will their own glory, create an apparition, an apparition that is a lie in which they are trapped, terrified of the light, which is the truth, which is grace. One of the ghosts is this well-dressed woman, terrified of how she appears in the presence of the solid people. So like the others, she longs to go back to hell, to the darkness, terrified of how she appears in the light. She whines to this solid spirit that's begging her to stay and walk deeper into heaven. She whines, I'd never have come at all if I'd known that you were all gonna be dressed like that. Friend, says this solid one, don't you see? I'm not dressed at all. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Now, now do go away, replies the ghost. How can I go out like this among a lot of people with real solid bodies? It's far worse than going out with nothing on would have been back on earth. Have everyone staring through me. Oh, I see, says the citizen of heaven. But we were all a bit ghostly when we first arrived, you know. That'll wear off. Just come out and try but they'll see me. What does it matter if they do, answers the shining one. I'd rather die, but you've died already. <laughs> There's no good trying to go back to that. Lewis writes, the ghost made a sound, something between a sob and a snarl. I wish I'd never been born, it said. What are we born for? For infinite happiness said the spirit. You can step out into it at any moment. But I tell you, they'll, they'll see me. An hour hence, and you will not care. A day hence, and you will laugh at it. Don't you remember on earth there were things too hot to touch with your fingers, but you could drink them all right? Shame is like that. If you will accept it, if you will drink the cup to the bottom, you will find it very nourishing. But try to do anything else with it, and it scalds. You, you really mean, said the ghost, then, then paused. Suddenly the ghost cried out, no, no, I, I can't, I tell you, I can't. For a moment, while you were talking, I almost thought, but, but, but when it comes to the point, well, you've no right to ask me to do a thing like that. It's disgusting. I should never forgive myself. 
if I did that. Never, never, never. And, and it's not fair. They ought to have warned us. I'd never have come. And now please, please, please go away. Friend, said the Spirit. Could you only for a moment fix your mind on something? Not yourself. A ghost is a mind stuck on itself. A will that seeks its own glory. A creation of our bad judgment. The judgment that each is his own judge and creator. The angel pleads with the ghost. Could, 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 you, could you only for a moment fix your mind on something, not yourself? And suddenly, in, in, in the story, there's this glorious and terrible stampede of giant unicorns. Lewis explains that it's meant to get the ghost's mind for at least a moment fixed on something other than herself. And we are or have been ghosts. But God has given us far more than a stampede of unicorns. He's given us a terrifying and glorious revelation of unspeakable beauty. And when you see it, really see it, it will change you. Next verse. Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. The Son of Man lifted up. Jesus Christ and him crucified is the revelation of the glory of God and, and the light of the world. Now some will run in terror at first, and yet in chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Jesus Christ and him crucified is the judgment of this world. Then you will know, then you will know that I am and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Whoever believes in him has eternal life, John, John 3. Eternal life like a, like a seed begotten from above. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is that you say you're going to become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. You see, our will is in bondage to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Now, this is rather confusing. It's really confusing for commentators because Jesus, uh, John has just said that these were the Jews that believed in him, right? So it's like they believe and they don't believe. Like they're two people, a new man and an old man. A, a new man born of God and yet trapped in a ghost. A true self buried 
in a false self, a good will trapped in a bad will, a seed of faith planted in a ghost. And if we're honest, I think that's where most of us find ourselves, right? I mean, when we're really honest, we've had moments, we have had moments when we truly forgot ourselves, believed grace, and for a moment really wanted the glory of God. I mean, we've had moments where we worshiped in freedom. And we know this, we were saved by grace, but then the truth is that we try to sanctify ourselves, we try to free ourselves with ourselves. So, so we've had moments, but most moments, if we're honest, when we really analyze it, we're acting. I mean, we're really seeking our own glory by trying to seek God's glory. That is, we love because we should. <laughs> and not because we want to. In other words, most moments we really don't love love. We use love to glorify ourselves. And in those moments, we create the ghost. The ghost is an apparition. The ghost is my false self created by my bad will, the ghost is a lie. When I believe lies, I speak lies, and I become a lie. Jesus tells these Pharisees that their father is the father of lies. And his lie is this, God is not good. So you must judge yourself, and you must save yourself, and you must Create yourself. And yet that self is an appearance, an apparition, a ghost. Satan is the father of ghosts. Ah! So how do we give up the ghost and live free? free by simply choosing to live free come on I'm gonna live free by willing to live free by trying to live free by acting all free when our hearts aren't really free that's the ghost well Jesus said abide in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free A law will not set you free. There is no program that can set you free. Your will, your choice, your good deeds will not set you free. Your judgment will not set you free. In fact, your judgment is the thing that you need to be freed from. The truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth. The truth is the light. The light is the glory. The glory is revealed when Jesus is lifted on the cross. The glory is grace. God's judgment is grace. God's judgment frees you from your own judgment. The light destroys 
the ghost. The truth sets you free from the ghost that is your old self. And get this, the truth in you is your new self. The glory of God rising from the pit of Sheol. Friend here at church wrote me and said, you know, once I experienced that life for, for a time, I mean, I, I, I've experienced that, that kind of, that new life, and, and yet I can't really choose it. I can't really will it. So what do I do? That is really a great question. I mean, I hope you've struggled with that at the end of sermons sometimes. Like, so what do I do? Well, maybe I am to do nothing very well. Maybe first and foremost, I am to not run from the light, but remain in the light and let it judge me. For the truth will set me free. Think about it. If, if we see the light and then run from the light, if we experience a little bit of truth and then run, we experience a, a little bit of truth, then, then we'll taste a, a little bit of shame, and then we'll try to hide that shame with an act. But the act is a lie. And we turn ourselves into ghosts. But if we abide in the light and surrender to the truth, the truth burns away the ghost and gives birth to life. The truth reveals that my judgment nails the truth to a tree, and his judgment is to let me nail him to a tree. The truth is grace, and, 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 and the truth causes me to hate my sin and to love God's grace. The truth causes me to love love. So what should I do? Well, with the truth and the love I have, with the grace that God has created within me, I think it means this, that I should walk my ghost into the light every morning, every evening, every time I go to small group, every time I come to church, in my marriage, in my relationships, everywhere I go, I should walk the ghost into the light. What should I do? I should abide in the light and then, and, and then, and then, and then do what I want. For what I want will be what I should do. And that's freedom. That's freedom. So what should I do? Love God and do what I want. In the words of St. Augustine, that's freedom. So Jesus is the truth, and I will, I will love the truth when I see that the truth loves me. The truth loves me, not my act. The truth loves me, in fact, the truth loves me and hates my act, and that's the most wonderful discovery of all. You see, the Father longs for me and hates my act. He, he sees right through the act. You, you don't, probably. 
Sometimes, maybe, but he sees right through the act and, and loves me, the real me. The bridegroom, Jesus, the bridegroom longs for me and not my act. He loves me and not how I dress myself. You, you know, I like my bride naked so I can clothe her with myself. Now think of it, a, a woman spends her life hiding her shame and her secret places, and that's the way it should be in this fallen world. A woman spends her life hiding her shame in her secret places, but on her wedding night, what does the groom what? Nothing more than surrendered shame. He wants her, if he's a good groom. He wants her and not the act. Jesus wants you and not the act. He wants you, and not the ghost, not your vainglory, not the act. He wants surrendered secrets. He wants the you that lies hidden underneath. Well, anyway, like I told you, last May, Susan and I prayed through this place, bound secrets, commanded it, and other nasty things to leave, and, and, I, and I think they did. I think they were evil spirits and invited uh, here by some person in the past, probably a religious authority who abused people, trapped them in secrets, afraid of the light. You know what? All human religion abuses people, traps them in secrets, afraid of the light. Afraid of the light. That means afraid of God's judgment. So the bride hides her shame in secret, afraid of God's judgment, and God's judgment is her groom. Jesus the Christ. Well, anyway, we cast out secrets. And then commanded anything else not in subjection to Jesus attached to this place to, to reveal itself and make its presence known. And, and Susan said all of a sudden, Peter, someone's here. Her name is Elise. I start bossing things around. She said, no, no, you don't understand. She's a little old lady, and, and she's scared. So I stopped. I said, Elise, you need to go to Jesus. He's not like those bad men. Elise He's not like the others. Jesus loves you, Elise. And then Susan said, she's gone. <sighs> that was freaky weird. So we came up here, I went in there, came back out here, like I told you, Susan was standing here with this shocked look on her, on her face, and she said, Peter, I just heard Jesus clear as a bell. I heard him say, welcome home. Elise. And then I heard Elise. She said, I was lost. I, I looked up that name Elise in the computer under the baby name saying it said, uh, from the Hebrew it means God is my vow. Wow. Now you don't have to believe all that story if, if you don't want to, but but I think Elise was a ghost, but not anymore. She's the bride of Christ. And whatever shame she hid has been transformed 
and now reveals the glory of God, her groom. And I suspect, now all of this is wrapped in a whole lot of mystery, but I suspect that there is still a prostitute looking for her dead baby. And she hides her shame, believing a lie. But when she surrenders her shame, it will reveal the greatest glory, and that is that her creator is her husband. And he is her life. And he has her baby. And I suspect there's an old woman looking for Herman, still looking for Herman. But when she surrenders her lie, that she's in control, she'll lose her life, and she'll find all things, including Herman. And I suspect, I strongly suspect, that there are some old Pharisees, sons of the kingdom, as Jesus referred to them, still gnashing their teeth in outer darkness, their ghosts. And I suspect that one day, I do suspect, I really think this will happen, that those old ghosts, those dry bones will live, just like Ezekiel prophesied. And their shame will be transformed into glory by the breath of Jesus, the Son of Man. They will surrender their bad judgment to God's glorious judgment who stands before them in the dust. When Jesus was crucified, Scripture says he descended into the depths of the earth. I suspect that he even descended somehow through my words spoken to Elise. Psalm 22, you know, it's a psalm Jesus quotes on the cross. It begins, it ends with, with this line, before him shall bow all who go down to the dust. Wow. <laughs> Just wow. And now I, I realize that all of that is controversial. And I need to say that we still haven't finished uh, chapter 8. We'll, we'll do that next week. But this is my point. Don't die in your sins. Don't go down to the dust. Don't be a ghost. Don't be trapped in your ghost. Surrender your ghost now and be free. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And what's the truth? That on the night we delivered him up, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. And so he's calling you to come to the table, tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup. The dark cups are wine, the light cups are juice, but they're both light. He's calling you and, and I'm calling you to, to come to the table. That is to get your weary old ghost, drag him up to the table and cast him into the fire. The glory of God, the light of God, the love of God for you. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel and live. Every moment, every day, to the glory of God your Father. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, may you walk in the light and live in the light as he is the light and is in the light.
And now if, in case you're thinking, oh, well, that sounds easy. You know, if you uh, live free, ravished by the love of God, you could end up in prison, but you'd be free. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, you could end up getting crucified because this world doesn't like the light and it doesn't like free people, but that's okay because you'll be free. You'll believe the gospel. And so in Jesus' name, abide in the light, abide in the truth, and the truth will set you free. Live free in Jesus' name, amen.